asthma and Olympic athletes. What do Australian sports doctors know? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Sports Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Mary Lushars. Joining me is Professor Ken Fitch, who is a member of the Australian Olympic Committee Medical Commission, Chair of the International Olympic Medical Commission Games Group, and Chair of the IOC Independent Asthma Panel. He's a professor at the University of Western Australia in the School of Sports Science, Exercise and Health, located in Perth, Australia. Ken has been involved in no less than 15 Olympic Games and has played a leading role in sports medicine in Australia for over 40 years. Today, we are discussing asthma in the Olympic athlete and what Australian sports doctors know about this condition. Dr. Fitch. Hello, Mary. I'm fine and lovely to talk to an Australian voice in North America. I can say the same thing. What I want to know firstly is what research have you and your Australian colleagues been doing into asthma and the elite athlete? Well, this has uh, been a subject of great interest for me for over 40 years and uh, the subject of my uh, doctoral thesis in medicine many years ago. And uh, and that was more in the early stages of what caused uh, uh, athletes to get asthma. And then, of course, we moved on from there to uh, how to prevent it. Following a, a meeting in Palm Springs in 1984, I started to research the effects of drugs to treat asthma and did they affect performance. And, of course, uh, one of the first ones we started was, uh, with was uh, something that uh, the older doctors in your country would remember, theophylline. But from there, of course, we moved on to some of the other newer drugs, including, of course, the beta-2 agonists. But what we've been looking at in recent years has been, are elite athletes more prone to asthma than their lesser elite counterparts? This probably began to surface around about 17 years ago when uh, the Skiing Federation found that athletes who finished in the top half of cross-country skiing had far more asthma than those that finished in the bottom half of any competition. In the first instance, it was believed that this was because athletes were obtaining some benefit from taking beta agonists because it was on the, the, uh, the prevalence of use of beta agonists that these numbers were established. They were not, the athletes were not challenged and uh, shown to have asthma or airway hyperresponsiveness. From there, it, it's moved on, and, and what we now know is that in particular the uh, cross-country athlete is probably damaging his or her lungs by breathing huge volumes of very cold, dry air, which is causing uh, airway modelling and a release of a number of uh, chemicals which can cause uh, also bronchoconstriction in the airways. We also know that uh, the cycling people have now taken over from swimming as having the highest incidence of asthma, in Olympic athletes, that is the summer athletes, and we know that many cyclists uh, also have huge lungs, breathe for hours on end air which is often polluted by products of combustion because of cars, etc. And, and finally, of course, swimming, which is, for many years has been used as treatment for asthma, we're now starting to find that athletes are actually acquiring uh, asthma uh, from many, many hours spent in indoor pools. 
and we believe that this is due to chloramines uh, that are in the atmosphere that they're breathing. So the cure has resulted in disease in this case for some <laughs> athletes. Well, I, I think we need to put this into perspective because uh, as part of my MD thesis, I actually uh, had 46 children swim from Perth to Sydney or equivalent distance, and we, while well, we monitored their asthma uh, for five months, and uh, their improvements were unbelievably uh, good. And at that time, we established the asthma swimming classes in Perth, which have gone on now for until about two years ago when they were terminated for the simple reason that all swimming coaches knew how to manage asthmatics anyway uh-huh. and of course the management of asthma had improved with inhaled steroids uh, to a greater degree and perhaps they didn't need such specialised swim coaching but mm, asthmatics in this country are still put to swimming no we're not talking about them we're talking about the people that are swimming four and five hours a day in indoor heated pools they're the ones that uh, we, we fear for and we haven't got an answer at the moment. And, of course, the other thing I didn't mention is that it is the endurance athlete rather than the sprint athlete who tends to be acquire this. And if you want an example of this, nothing's better than those of you who know about the Winter Games is that the more than fivefold difference in the incidence of asthma between competitors in ski jumping and the Nordic combined now, the Nordic combined event, of course, are ski jumpers who also have to cross-country ski for 15 kilometres. So they need a high degree of endurance to be able to compete successfully in this uh, winter event. And that, that's a remarkable difference, a, a five-fold difference. Ski jumping is one of the lowest of the winter events with, uh, in terms of the prevalence of asthma. Nordic combined is up there with cross-country skiing and biathlon in the top three. Wow, that is interesting data. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to a special segment, Focus on Sports Medicine, on Reach MD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Mary Lushars, and I'm speaking with Dr. Ken Fitch, and we're discussing asthma and the Olympic athlete from an Australian perspective. So, Dr. Fitch, just getting back to beta agonists, how are they currently restricted in elite sport? It's had a checkered career going back to Munich 1972 when I was denied use of them by the International Olympic Committee's Medical Commission. But the concern with better agonists have been twofold. Firstly, they are a sympathomimetic and, of course, in very large doses can cause some uh, increases in heart rate, and etc. But more importantly, uh, there are other issues. There have been for a long time concerns about uh, misuse of them and this of course started with phenoterol back in New Zealand about 20 to 30 years ago with sudden death occurring from phenoterol uh, which was used in pretty high dosage. Uh, in more recent times and particularly in North America there are great concerns with salmeterol, a long-acting beta agonist and the FDA has uh, actually uh, terminated some studies over there because of side effects. So that's one issue there. There are some major health issues. The second issue is that oral beta-2 agonists do improve strength. And so there is a need to distinguish uh, between oral versus inhaled. And uh, I was involved with about a decade ago in combination with the Barcelona laboratory where we gave uh, subjects in Perth oral and inhaled salbutamol. And we've a test now that we can largely distinguish this based on the level of salbutamol in the urine together with the ratio between their S and their R anatomies. 
So what proportion of Olympic athletes would be using a beta agonist to control asthma symptoms at the coming Olympics? Well, we know that very well now, and for this reason, that from Atlanta in 1996 to Sydney in 2000, there was a very marked increase in the incidence of athletes using beta agonists. It went from 37 to 5.7% in just one Olympic Games. And in between that, we'd seen a similar percentage up to about 5.8 in Nagano at the Winter Games there. So the IOC then had a, a symposium in 2001, and we decided to introduce the fact that athletes, to take better agonists, had to demonstrate they had either asthma or airway hyperresponsiveness. And so they either had a bronchodilator test or they had to have one of uh, several bronchial provocation challenges, which could include exercise such as running or cross-country skiing in the field, in the lab, on, on a treadmill or on a bike. Uh, it included uh, hypertonic saline as a wet challenge, and it, it also included eucaptic voluntary hypopnea or the EVH test, and it also included methacholine challenge. For Beijing, we've introduced a new challenge with dry-powdered mannitol. And will you be using that just on the Australian athletes in Beijing or will all athletes have access to that test? Dry-powdered mannitol has been developed uh, mainly in Sydney by Dr Sandra Anderson, who's well-known in North America as one of the world's premier uh, respiratory physiologists. And it is approved for use in Australia. It's a very simple test, easy to perform, and it has been approved for use uh, throughout Europe as well as in my country and Korea. Unfortunately, at this stage, uh, it has not been approved by the FDA for use in North America, but hopefully it will soon because it's an excellent, uh, excellent challenge, very safe and very simple to institute and very accurate. I wondered what we've learned from previous Olympics that Australian sports doctors are going to use in treating their athletes' asthma in Beijing. We're very prepared for this. We have amongst our team a sports physician with particular expertise in in, uh, in this area, and, and uh, Dr Holzer has worked with uh, Dr Anderson in developing the Manitol test and having it validated and approved. And so we're taking a range of products, including, of course, the, the usual uh, beta agonists for those athletes uh, who will be able to take them. And I might tell you that uh, we're adopting, uh, as, as I know many other countries are, because I handle all the applications from around the world, but uh, we're adopting a, a screening program for athletes in high-risk sports. But in addition, we will be using the leukotriene antagonists and those other drugs like chromalin or chromoglycate and nitochromal, which uh, are also very good for preventing release of mediators, which are going to cause bronchoconstriction uh, should there be any uh, inferior air quality encountered. Uh-huh. Dr Fitch, where can our listeners go to get more information if they want to learn more about asthma and Olympic athletes? Well, the IOC website, if you just Google and find, look out for the IOC Medical Commission, uh, there is uh, the criteria by which you're allowed to uh, take beta agonists at the Olympic Games. And there is also on it a consensus statement which uh, followed a conference which the IOC uh, conducted in January this year, which looks at uh, a number of issues that we've sort of discussed, including the diagnosis of asthma and elite athletes, the fact that we believe some of them developing asthma almost as you might say an occupational hazard, how best to treat them, 
the problems of environmental issues such as we mentioned, like cold air, chloramines, and uh, air quality. And uh, one interesting thing that uh, we might touch on before we finish, Mary, if we've got time, the success of athletes at recent Olympic Games. And that, uh, I find, uh, something is, which I prepared for this particular conference uh, is quite fascinating. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we have to close there. Thank you, Dr Fitch, for being our guest. We've been discussing what Australian sports doctors know about asthma and the Olympic athlete. I'm Dr Mary Lushars, and you've been listening to a special segment. Focus on sports medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com. Register with promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM157. Thank you for listening.